Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. And can I begin by thanking you for your response to last week's episode? I'm a humbled podcaster and your pilgrims are, as always, very, very kind. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago or the way of St. James. And I've walked two Caminos and I'm a rookie in terms of what some people have done. I walked in 2016 from Sahun to Santiago, about half of the Camino Francis. And then in 2017, I walked from Lourdes to Santiago, a journey of about a thousand kilometers. Hundreds of thousands of pilgrims walk the Camino each year. Who knows what they're looking for and who knows what they hope to find? Who knows why they are walking? It's a pilgrimage. And if you've walked before, you know what I'm talking about. When I say you don't quite put your finger on why you're so enamored with the whole Camino journey, but that's part of it. We're unsure what it is about this ancient and spiritual path that makes it so exciting. What is it about the series of walks through Europe that binds us all once we've finished? The Camino community is a very tight family. We share and we care, and we love to think of ourselves as global citizens. And I saw a sign this week and took a picture of it. It said, every life is an amazing story. I loved it. So I wrote it down as I always did. And it becomes part of my introduction. My guest this week is Ross Wall. Now, from time to time, I concede I don't know a lot about my guests, and this is one of those occasions. I can say, however, that we met last weekend at one of my gigs, and we met as pilgrims often do. Ross had a glass of wine in his hand. I had a beer in mine. And he's sitting here with me. Autumn has descended on Sydney. That means Camino season has arrived in Spain. Welcome, pilgrim. Hi, Pilgrim, how are you? I'm very well. I mentioned in my podcast last week that I'd met you. I said, you shone. Well, what is it about the Camino that makes us shine? Well, that's a good question. I don't know what makes us shine. I guess it's um, it's just the overall experience, isn't it? It's something, it's hard to describe um, when you've finished the Camino. And, and I guess it's hard to describe the answer to that question, really. Perhaps that's the reason why I'm asking it, because you, you and I can't define it. So let me, let, me, let me ask you this. Well, why don't you start by telling us about your Caminos? Well, um, the first Camino I did, um, I'd, uh, I'd recently had a, a knee replacement, and I was literally on a, a, had a, a walking stick and I was hobbling around and, and I saw a movie was, uh, with Martin Sheen. And and being a West Wing fan from way back, anything with Martin Sheen, I'm hooked. So when I actually went to see The Way, I had no idea what it was about. And I sat there and I was just blown away. And I, I, I went by myself and I immediately, when I finished the movie, I came home and I Googled the Camino and I was hooked. Um, you know, somebody once said to me, your Camino journey starts the day you decide you're going to do it. And that's when mine started. But, you know, there's somebody else, uh, Shirley MacLaine, who wrote a book. She had a different way of describing it. She says, your Camino starts the day you finish. And I think that's true also because it's once you finish that your mind starts playing tricks with you and you keep thinking about the, the journey you've been on and different things that happen and it never really leaves you, does it? No, it doesn't really leave you. And that's one of the reasons you and I are talking today. Because when we meet other pilgrims, we have the big smile and say, I know what you've been through and you know what I've been through. And it's so fantastic. So let's talk um, facts and figures then. How many Caminos and, and where and when? 
Well, the first Camino I did was in 2013. I did from St. Jean Pierre de Port to uh, Santiago. Um, and then the following year, I wanted to discover a bit more. So I went back into France and I started at Le Puy and walked to, again, um, um, to the, to the, um, the French border there. And, um, and then more recent years, I've got interested in what they call the Italian Caminos, the Via Francigena. And I've walked uh, two legs of that, a total of uh, 600k finishing in, in Rome. You mentioned earlier that you'd seen the Martin Sheen film The Way. How long after you saw the movie did you walk the Camino? Well, it was it was it was about a year. It took me a year until I thought I was right and ready to go, and I decided to do it um, in in September. Um, when a lot of people, particularly from this part of the world, do it once the school holidays are over in Europe. So, yeah, it was a bit over 12 months. It took me, I guess, six months until my knee was right and I could walk properly and then another six months to to get fit enough and off I went. Are you someone open to spiritual awakening? Is religion or spirituality part of your everyday life? Um, I wouldn't say religion, spirituality. It's that's another difficult question, isn't? It? How do you define that? Um, um, I wouldn't say so in everyday life, but certainly when you're on the Camino, things start happening, and you start thinking in a, a totally different way, don't you? Yeah, and you you talk to people who are who are really hoping to find something and discover something, and I wanted to raise with you the fact you and I both live in the inner city. Uh, very close to the heart of Sydney. It's very bustle. It's very busy. Mm. We live busy lives. And it's non-stop. It's kind of even fever pitch at times. What prompted you to reach out, do you think, for a simpler life? What was it that appealed to you in that film? Um, Well, I think it was a challenge because I I couldn't walk very well at the time. So it was the challenge. And then as I started to learn more about the Camino, I was fascinated how there was this walk you could go on that attracted like-minded people from all around the world. And I couldn't quite figure out why that would be so. So there was only one way to find out. And I jumped on a plane and I ended up and by myself and nothing booked ahead, no nothing, carried everything and off I went. What did your family and friends make of it when you told them you're going off on a pilgrimage? Oh, the, my kids think I'm mad, you know. But one of them has done a few, has done cross the Pyrenees, and he will finish it one day. But yeah, I think they're starting to get the idea. So, how do you describe it to people when you meet them at a dinner party, and they say, and someone at the dinner party says, "Ross has walked the Camino a few times." How do you describe it to people? Um, well, I saw it described once as you wake up in the morning. You get everything you've got and you put it in a pack and you walk and what happens, happens. Yeah, well, that's about right, isn't it? It's very simple existence and I said, and that's the great appeal because you then come home and you take little pieces of that into your everyday life. So how does it manifest in your life now? Goodness me. Um, <laughs> um it's just, it never quite leaves you. It's sort of, you think about it. And, and invariably, when I've done four of these walks now, invariably when I finish, I say, well, that's it, I think. And, you know, and it was only in, in the last day, you know, knowing I was going to chat to you today that I started thinking. And I, I haven't done the, Portu- the Portuguese leg. And it's just been playing on my mind. It never quite leaves you. That's, and, and seeing you last weekend and, 
uh, in talking to you, the, it sort of keeps coming back. So, you know, it never, never leaves you. The Portuguese could be on the agenda. Oh, I think, yeah, yeah good food there. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And good wine. That's right. It, it, and I talked on Saturday night about walking with Canadians. And you and I both walked with Canadians at different times. We're kind of kindred spirits, aren't we? Australians, I think, are open to pilgrimage and largely because we're also open to adventure. And the spirituality in some respects is the fact that you are out on this wonderful adventure and who knows what's going to happen to you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've met a number of Canadians like you. Um, I've met one particular couple from, um, from Vancouver, and they were they were sort of both sort of sixty nine seventy, and they keep going. They've been back every year. They go back and they keep going. It's uh, they're amazing. I've, in fact, to talk about the friendship side of it, you know, my wife and I have been to Vancouver and spent time with them, and we keep in touch. And yeah, they're they're good people. You know, um, when we talked about uh, walking the very first time, twenty thirteen. Do you remember what months you walked? Yes, September. Left about September 5 or 6. Uh, I think I started on a Monday morning and I think it was about 34 days. And and how hot was it in, in September? Um, not that hot. It was sort of, you know, 20-ish. It never got up into the high 20s and not a lot of rain either, which was good. So that September you would have arrived early October, did you? Yeah, October 6 or 7 thereabouts, yeah. And did you always find a bed? That's a pretty busy time of the year. Did you always manage to... Were you part of what I call sometimes the pilgrim gift where everybody seems to be racing to get to the next town to secure a bed? Did you have any trouble? Because that's a pretty busy time of year. Yes, it's a very busy time of year. Well, firstly, I love starting early. I like really, you know, I I normally have a a bit of fruit or a muesli bar. So I'm up and like getting on on my way about six o'clock. And as you know, in in Spain at that time of the year, it's dark until 8, 8.30. And so you see the most amazing sunrises. So um, so I find by getting an early start like that, invariably I reach the destination I'm going to um, by about, you know, by lunchtime, early afternoon, which I like. I like getting in and finishing by sort of one, two o'clock. Right. Um, and in that case, yeah, you're normally, you're ahead of the pack often, so you find a place. But then, of course... Um, then you've got the whole problem. Do you want to, you know, how much snoring can any one man put up with? So, yeah, I, would, I started off by staying in, in pilgrim accommodation and then I started getting a few B&Bs in the odd hotel and you'd sit in a hotel and you'd turn on the BBC News and you'd have a beer and you're thinking, hang on, I could be doing this at home. This is ridiculous. And so then you go back and you have a few more nights of storing and you go back to a hotel. So, But I certainly, I think, in the last week, certainly the last week to 10 days, I thought, hang on, this is all coming to an end. So I still stayed in Albergis right all that period right through to the very end. Let's talk about some nuts and bolts. Are you a spreadsheet pilgrim? Like, do you know, have you done lots and lots of research before you go and you know how far you're going to walk each day? Or do you just let it flow? Yeah, I just let it flow. Yeah, How just wonderful. yeah, just I, uh, I on the first day, you know, you have no idea, do you? And so I walked up to Orison and stayed there the night, which was great because you got to meet a few people. And then I met up with some Australians, people who don't live far from us here now, and um, 
uh, and we'd sort of go ahead and we'd and then after a few days of walking with people, I thought, no, I want to be alone again. And so now I just go. I'd plan a day ahead normally, sometimes. Um, in, but in Spain, I don't think I ever booked ahead. What about training? You mentioned that you had to get over the knee, but now you've walked other, other Caminos as well. What sort of tra- training regime do you have? Oh, look, these days, I, well, I walk every morning at any rate. Right. But How not, far do you, can I ask? How far? Oh, you know, 45 right. minutes, an hour, a bit more than an hour. So, look, I would do, um, before a Camino on half a dozen times, I might go for three or four hours. I, I walk um, the Great North Walk up here, not far from where we are. I'd do that for three or four hours, or but not not much more than that. So I find, you know, I only, uh, you know, twenty to twenty-five k stops me. So after a few days of that, you seem to pick it up in a way. So no, I don't do a lot of training. But you know, I, having said that, I do walk every day. So yeah, it's not as I'm not unfit. Yeah, and I was going to ask um, if you, when you do those practice walks, are you taking a packed backpack? No. Invariably not, no. Well, how heavy is your pack when you're walking in Europe then? Oh, very light. Very light, you know, sort of 7K. Right. Yeah. I mean, I literally carry... I mean, that's one thing, and you talk about preparation. I did I did go to great lengths to weigh everything on my first time, and I don't take much with me. I mean, you know, I take the absolute minimum. So, yeah, I, I travel very light. What about shoes? Do you wear shoes or boots, and, and what type of shoes do you wear? I have Scarpa boots that I've worn out, and now I've got Scarpa shoes. But, yeah, they were great. I, I never got blisters at all, had, had, luckily, unlike a lot of people. Bed bugs? No, none. Now, I asked you about where you stay, and you mentioned you stay sort of albergues and pensions and hotels as well. But walking in the hot Spanish sun and checking into budget accommodation, sometimes sleeping in a room with dozens of other people doesn't sound too glamorous. It's not a holiday after all. But do you think it's for everybody? If, if somebody's listening and they're wondering, do you think it's for everyone? No, it's not. No, um, not at all. But you never quite know who it is for. Yeah. Um, I was at a function, a Christmas function a couple of years ago, and I was with a, a guy who's chairman of a handful of public companies here in Australia. Now, he would be the last guy, I would have thought, and we got talking about the Camino and he'd walked it and he oh. he's totally life-changing. He said he couldn't believe it. So you never quite know. But look, and getting back to your previous questions, what people ask you, that's what they ask most of all, don't they? How do, how do you put up with that snoring? Um, and it's a hard question to answer. <laughs> but well, unless you do, you don't have those experiences. No. You know. Yeah, that's right. And you don't really ever put up with it. No. You, you kind of, and you don't ever really get over it. <laughs> but you get good at having those little afternoon siestas. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm good at that. Yeah. And I have, uh, I take earplugs. And, um, you know, I normally have a, a tablet. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I'll have a tablet to knock me out, just something light, nothing too addictive. And uh, so sleep through that. And, but yeah, you just put up with it. But I, yeah, I prefer these days to. You know, if you can get a private room, that's great. Or a small room, you know, a small room with maybe a do- half a dozen people as opposed to some of those huge rooms. I've only only stayed in one really large dormitory, which was at Samos and the monastery there. And um, 
but um, that experience was something else altogether. I would have put up with snoring all night to experience that again. Underneath the portico, the yeah. painted portico is magic, isn't it? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. And did you go to the prayer at 10 o'clock at night with the yeah. monks? I didn't, but some friends of, of, of mine did, yeah. That's an amazing place. Yeah, yes, it's an amazing experience. You, they get you to get, you may have seen it, they get you together at about 10 to 10 and they, you stand there and just don't know what's going. And then they look, keep looking at their watch. There must have been about eight or nine of us. And at five to 10, they say, okay, off we go, don't talk. And you follow this guy and he leads you down a corridor and up some stairs and down another corridor. And eventually you get, you're right in the bells of this old monastery. And he said, now don't, whatever you do, don't talk just sit down so he opens the door and you go and sit down in the small chapel and the monks are there and you're sitting there and you know it's nearly 10 o'clock and then the bells start chiming and you hear that the, the bell chimes the 10 times and off they go and they start praying and singing and it's just amazing it's just wonderful you know there's a there's a story that goes that that's where hitler was going if he managed to escape germany to semmels to that monastery. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got good taste. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I love that. Uh, when you come over the hill at the top yeah. and you look down on the top of it, it's yeah. just so magic, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that place is great. Yeah, yeah. How fantastic. Um, what about if someone's... Oh, oh, no, I wanted to ask you about documenting your journey. Did you write a blog? Are you a keen photographer? Um, uh, interesting. I did write a blog, um, but not uh, not every day by any means, um, and yeah, I'm quite a keen photographer. But I I didn't really I didn't I'm not that sort of person that had a need to um, to document. I, I went there for the experience, not to be able to write and tell everyone about it. Having said that, um, I've actually gone through and I have got a whole bunch of photographs, so I'm putting them in a book. And I haven't uh, I was only looking at it before you arrived. So I haven't um, have, had it printed off yet, but it's nearly finished. It's it's largely photographs and a few stories and that sort of thing. But no, I'm not into... Um, I think there are enough books on the Camino without yeah. me adding to the list. That's probably true. What about if someone's listening and they're one, worried about communicating with home? Did you find it difficult or easy to connect with the outside world? That's the first part of the question. The second part of the question, did you want to? Um, yeah, I found it easy, yeah. Um, and I wanted to communicate with my wife and, uh, and my sons. One, one of my sons would ring me quite often uh, about um, sort of, I don't know, eight or nine in the morning I'd get this call. He was living in London at the time. And, uh, yeah, it was great to talk to him. You know, what are you doing, Dad? Walking. You're still bloody walking. Yes, I'm walking. <laughs> but, no, it's not hard. And, yeah, I did. But I didn't want to contact everyone no just just my immediate family yeah it's kind of nice that having that being cut off in a sense from everything that you do normally the emails and the text messages and the faxes and the whole bit you know being able to just separate yourself from it for a while is fabulous i think yeah yeah it's a good feeling what about the walking uh, you mentioned there that your son you would say well i'm walking again but how did you find that day after day? Because it's not easy. Twenty-five k's is okay to walk one day, but every day it starts to wear on you, doesn't it? Or did you handle it okay? No, I handled it fairly well. You know, I think I'm 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 reasonably fit. As I said, I walk every day, but no, I. But it's sort of not so much. I find it's not so much 
the K's, it's more the hours. At six hours, I start to get a bit tired, and seven hours, I'm about ready to pack it in. And I think one day I had to, one, I was in it hurrying up at the end, and I did about a 35K one day, and that absolutely knocked me around. But yeah, you get up the next morning, and, and I find also you, uh, you, you start walking and you think, oh God, here we go, this is, this is tough. And, but after about an hour, you come right and you're feeling good. And then I found that after two hours, I was actually going too fast. I'd say, no, pull back, pull back, because you get into that rhythm and you're starting to race ahead and, and, and that's, that's dangerous. You've got to slow back and pull yourself back. What sort of routine then did you do? How many hours in a row would you walk before you stopped and had a coffee or something to eat if you're starting at six? Oh, well, hopefully you'd find coffee within the first hour or so. Um, and you know, carry some fruit, and hopefully get in by lunchtime, or or pick up a, a sandwich or something along the way. I'd normally have something in my backpack to, if I got lost or something, but that was about it. Did you get lost often? Um, took a few, yes, <laughs> took a few wrong turns. But you know, as you know, you, you, if you're walking for more than you know, four or five hundred metres and you don't see the arrow, you think, well, hang on, am I going the right way here? And just backtrack and yeah. away you go again. And you just hope that you haven't walked too far downhill before right. you realise yeah. you're lost. Yeah, exactly. um, what was the most challenging aspect of the Camino for you? The most... Ch- I'm no good on hills. I don't know why it is. Um, and some of those, um, um, particularly at certain parts, it's quite hilly. So I found the hills challenging and the flat no trouble at all. And so what, how did the, Italian, how did the t- Italian Caminos compare in terms of terrain with uh, Spain? Um, maybe a little hillier. You know, most Italian villages are on a, you know, the hilltops yeah, of the right. walled cities. Yeah. So, so you'd be going along and you'd look up and you'd say, oh, my God, look, it's up there. And so you, each day you're finishing on a really quite a steep climb. But then the next morning you get up and you're going down, so that's good. And was there plenty of places to stay? And are they comparable to the albergues in Spain? No, not really. They're more, um, there's more sort of B&B type accommodation. Right. Quite a few sort of um, um, places run by the church, quite a few nuns running a few little um, accommodation places. So, But they're not, it's nowhere near as crowded as Spain. Um, um, and um, and the food's pretty good, of course, but more expensive. It's it you know it's considerably more expensive than than the Spanish section. Yeah, because that was my next question. In France, you stay in gites. In Spain, you stay in albergues. What do you stay in in Italy? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know pubs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so and and in Spain, you you really can you can check in somewhere for five six euros and go then and get a pilgrim's meal for ten euros. And a couple of beers, you know, 20 euros a day can get you right across the Camino yeah. Frances. How does that compare with Italy? Oh, I'd say Italy would be twice that. Right. Yeah, it's sort of 15 euros maybe a night, 15, maybe 20. And the meals would be more expensive. You wouldn't get the $10 pilgrim meal. It's more likely, a, you know, a pasta and a salad and a couple of glasses of wine, sort of 20 euros maybe. You mentioned that the hills were challenging. What was the most rewarding aspect of the Camino for you? Finishing. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us about finishing. Tell us about arriving in Santiago de Compostela in that wonderful square. Well, I actually met my wife there. She had walked. Um, she she walked uh, the last uh, section of the um, 
Portuguese Camino with her with her sister. So we actually met, and that that was great. I had seen her for five or six weeks, I guess, at that stage. Wow. So that was good. Um, and then, I'd, yeah, I loved the the mass and the and all the yeah that it's you know the, the camaraderie. It's it's strange, you know. You see someone you'd you'd had a drink a, a beer with them three weeks before. And you hadn't, and then you see them, and all of a sudden they're your best friend yeah. out of the blue. You know? Yeah, but it's a good feeling. Yeah, it's a lovely city or environs for that kind of atmosphere too, because so many of us Australians and New Zealanders and Canadians and Americans, we never really hang around a place like that. Whereas the Europeans are used to those kind of cathedrals and those kind of town squares. But for us, it's something out of the extraordinary. And then to not only that to have finished this wonderful walk as well, it's quite an amazing place, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's quite it's quite emotional. Yes, it is. And of course, it's not only um, it's not only at Santiago where you have the, the cathedral there. You've got each each village you go yeah. into is amazing. And I and I sort of feel sorry for people that um, who sort of um, don't don't like going into churches or like being part of the pilgrim masses and all that because I think they miss out you know the artwork in some of these places is phenomenal um and you know that's so much part of it that's you know I'd I'd go into every church mind you uh, (laughs) after the first hundred they all start looking a bit the same don't they but you never you really get used to that garish kind of I mean the way that they are sort of decorated is is mind-blowing isn't it yeah yes it is and you wonder the motivation behind that yeah. some people sort of say well that's terrible look the church took everyone's money and built this but you know people are highly critical of the church in those times and spending all that money and i said yes but if you were to talk to those people and you would say that really rich people these days would spend millions upon millions of dollars on getting employing people to pick a kick a round ball around a field and they would think you were mad and maybe they're right and we're wrong yeah yeah it's it's sort of yeah that's what they did they they that was their life and that's what they uh where they, the the money went yeah and when you go through the the cathedral in burgos and and that second half of the walk if you follow the path through has those the the rooms honoring the 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 the, the bishops and the archbishops or cardinals or whatever yeah. who were responsible for the establishment of that extraordinary place and there are dozens and dozens and dozens you realize it took them hundreds of years to build this thing and now here it is still today you know they didn't muck around they built something that was just going to be breathtaking forever they're the big thinkers i mean look what we've got today i mean they, all they worry about is the next election you know, they, they, as you say, they're big thinkers. Mind you, I think there's an awful lot of ego to play there. Each bishop wanted one, his little chapel to bigger than the last guy, and they got bigger and bigger as they went. Yeah, they did. It's it's that's an unbelievable place. That cathedral in Burgos is yeah. is really it's a it is a must do. You 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 know, it's quite extraordinary. Uh, okay, uh, the Spanish culture, the food, the wine, the people. Tell me about the Spanish people. Um, well, I don't speak Spanish. So I didn't have a lot of communication with them. Um, but certainly the, the food and wine. I mean, the pilgrim meals are fairly basic, aren't they? I mean, you know, you get your chicken and your pork and your salad and, and a bit of fruit. Um, but the wine is nice. Um, even the 
basic pilgrim um, sort of rough reds are quite acceptable, really. Yes, it, it can be a bit rough, but at the end of the day, you know you're only paying 10 euros for it, for the, the meal yeah. and the wine. Yeah. So, you know, you sort of cop what you expect, don't yeah, you? You know, yeah. you take it. Uh, um, what's the best part about being a pilgrim? The best part of being a pilgrim? Um, I think I think when you're walking and I think you're a better person than you are in your everyday life because your everyday life, as you're saying, you're worrying about well, you've got to get here and you've got to get there and you've got to do this and you're worried about this and that and work and family. But when you're there, you've, you're by yourself and, and I think you, you care for other people a lot more. You know, you certainly... You know, you see somebody's in trouble. You, you've got time to stop and talk yeah. and think and, and to meet other people and talk to different people from different places and, yeah, experience. So I think it's the time you've got and, and to, be, to be a better person than when you don't have time and you're rushing around, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. I think that we, you hear often about Camino Angels. Someone will tell you this terrible story. And then someone comes out of the blue and helps them. Mm. And you think, oh, and that's so true, what you just said, Ross, because you can't imagine that would happen here. No. You know, in Sydney, you know, people walk past people having heart attack on the street. Yeah. You know, it's, it's quite, you know, we really need to do some soul searching, I think, yeah. in this day and age, the way we treat others. And the Camino is a good place to kind of get that renewal, if you like. Yeah, yeah no, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. And the reinforcement. So what's the worst part about being a pilgrim? The worst, well, I do feel sorry for the people with those blisters. I mean, they looked shocking, didn't they? And one guy I remember, and he, he, he's just showing everybody his feet. So I never had that. Oh, look, I don't know. I don't think there's any real bad part of being a pilgrim. It's just, it's, it's that state of being, isn't it? Yeah. You're there, and you know, it's good yeah. or bad. I, it's sort of... How lovely. I began by saying every life is an amazing story. That's true, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. And I think the Camino is somewhere for someone who perhaps doesn't believe it to find that story. Yeah. Uh, you know where the, uh, I got that every life is an amazing story? It was an ad for a funeral home. Oh, really? <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. And I suppose the point I made, I wanted to make is it brought home to me that we need to make most of life. Yeah. I saw another thing the other day, like your funeral home there. It says you, you start off becoming being a traveller and then you become a storyteller. And that's so true because we're sitting here having walked the, the Camino and there's so many stories to tell, each town or different people you meet. And, yeah, you, there's so many stories that generate from that experience. Give us a piece of advice if somebody's listening and they're thinking of walking, something that you think you learned on your first Camino and took it in subsequent journeys. Well, I sometimes um, are wary about offering this advice to people because not everyone's got a month or more, five weeks, to, to do the whole section from, um, from St. Jean-Pierre de Port to the end. And someone will say, look, I've got a week or I've got 10 days. Where do you think I should start? And I always say, start at St. Jean-Pierre de Port and walk for a week or walk for 10 days. 
and I guarantee before you die you'll come back and you'll finish it. I think I, I can't imagine anyone starting and not finishing it. And so I, would, I always say start at the beginning there and walk to where, where you can because you've then got, you, will, you will come back and you will finish it. And what about some advice for somebody who's 50-50? They're wondering if they can do it or they wonder if they should do it. Well, it's, it's an individual thing. I think if you don't think you want to do it, you shouldn't. Um, it's just, you know, talk to people, uh, you know, read the forums and what have you and decide it's for you. It's not for everyone. Mm. In fact, it's not for many people, is it, really? Um, but it's for a certain type of people, and that gets back to my original comment. that I, It's fascinating that all these different people from around the world find this one thing in common. The other thing that I noticed too, and I, this is, I don't know if this is because I walked in September, but there were two very distinct groups. There were those that were retired and with children sort of off their hands, so sort of 55, 60 up, that's sort of 55, yeah. 65, and they were the large bulk. And then there was another group, sort of the 25 to 30, often women, and they're the ones that, in between jobs or just split up with the boyfriend or whatever and just go. And it was quite interesting. There was hardly anyone younger than that, but there, there was two distinct groups and hardly anyone in between sort of 35 and 55 when I was walking anywhere. Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned earlier that I can see the Camino shine when you talk, the light in your eyes. So long may you explore the ancient trails of the Camino de Santiago. Thanks for your time today, Ross, and I've thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. The Camino brings people together. It's a wonderful thing. Buen Camino. Buen Camino. My guest this week, Ross Wall, whom I met at the pub last Saturday night. Doesn't get any better than that. An Australian pilgrim enamoured with the ancient and mystical paths of the Camino de Santiago. Every life is an amazing story. Write yours. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the 